It is amazing, isn't it, what uh, captures the attention of we human beings. It is interesting to note the sort of things that, that we're drawn to as, as individuals. Uh, one of the things I've noticed that we're drawn to as human beings is, uh, is those that are, well, those that are, let's face it, who we think are a little bit better than us, a little bit more popular, a little bit more good-looking, a little bit more powerful, perhaps, whatever it is. We're drawn to those people that we consider to be celebrities. We think of sports stars or, or movie stars. We like to be associated with famous people, don't we? We like to be associated with the, the powerful, with the movers and the shakers of this world. Uh, when we were uh, living uh, down on the south coast, it was a very strong footy town with several of the NRL stars having grown up there and you get to know them. You'd like to be associated with, with people that are well-known and well-liked throughout the country and throughout the world. Uh, Jarrell was also home to the world's number one female server, Sally Fitzgibbon, and just about everyone in town liked to think of Sally as their best mate. And we all like to bathe in the reflected glory of having the world's number one at something living amongst us, as at least in a an acquaintance of just about everybody in town. So I think the same is true here in, in Sydney, particularly in this part of the world where all the beautiful people live, where all the movie stars hang out. We're regularly spotting the movie stars filming this or that here in the eastern suburbs. We know plenty of the, uh, the footballers uh, go for a surf down at our local beaches as well. We like to sort of be associated with those sorts of people. And this is what's happening today in our reading this morning, Jesus is a bit of a celebrity, a bit of a, a first century celebrity. Celebrity back then was a little bit different, but word had got around. He's a bit of a rock star. Jesus at this stage is a bit of a rock star preacher at this stage. Word is getting around that he's done some pretty amazing things. He's been following us these last few weeks. He's been casting demons out of people. He's calmed the wind and the waves. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And word is starting to spread. He even, rumour has it, he even raised a little girl from the dead. So he's gathering quite a collection of people. People are now crowding in around him, wanting to be near him, wanting to be associated with him. And this is the context for our reading today. Uh, from Luke chapter 9. I'm going to be re reading from Luke chapter 9, the end of the chapter, just five verses, uh, from Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through to 62. Uh, many parts of God's church around the world are studying this passage with us this morning, uh, and I like, I like that. I like the fact that uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world from many different tribes and tongues and traditions are looking at this particular gospel passage. I've titled my message, No Turning Back This Morning, a real challenge uh, for us here 20 centuries later, for we followers of Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 62 says this, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Well, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one 
who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Challenging stuff. Let's pray. God of grace, we pray that you might come to life through this passage of Scripture this morning. We pray that you might use this time to challenge us, to stretch us, to grow us, to comfort us, to encourage us, Lord. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people said, Amen. Bang, bang, bang. Three very quick little brief encounters, one after the other. We don't really know how to, but Luke certainly places them together, one after the other, for effect. Three very challenging little encounters from this traveling itinerant rabbi, this traveling sort of rock star rabbi at this stage. People are coming near, they're wanting to be around Jesus. And and a man comes up to Jesus. You can imagine like a, a young sort of, a young bloke who's just met a rock star or a football star, whatever he's, oh, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to be like you, I'm going to follow you wherever, you wherever you go, he says. But have a look at Jesus' response. He says, well, mate, I hope you're fair income. If he was an Aussie, he would have said, mate, I hope you're fair income about what you're saying. Because he says, you know, foxes have holes that they can go home to. And the birds of the air have, have their nests, but the Son of Man, which was a reference to himself, he liked to call himself the Son of Man, simply mean the, the, the human one, the, the, the God in skin, said, well, I, I've, got, I've got nowhere to, to lay my head. I think it was Jesus' way of challenging this man, of saying, brother, if, if you're not in this, for good, if you're not legit, if you're not really committed, I reckon you might be hankering back for your nice soft bed and your nice fluffy warm pillow after a few days because this is, this is going to get rough. He almost as though he tries to discourage this fellow from following him, doesn't he? Jesus is really telling this guy, hey, listen, I'm, I'm out on the road. Don't expect this to be all beer and Skittles. This is going to be a bit of a a, a rough ride. Now, this next little encounter, again, straight away is different because this time it's Jesus that does the approaching. So Jesus doesn't seem to follow any formulas. So the first time was a, a man that walked up to Jesus. This time, it's Jesus who does the approaching. And he says simply, follow me. Friends, 18 times in the Gospels, Jesus invites people to follow him. You'll hear me use this language of being a follower of Jesus. If you haven't picked it up already, it's really how I describe myself out in the world. I find that even the term Christian kind of carries a little bit of cultural baggage these days. So I simply describe myself as a Jesus follower or a, or a, a follower of Jesus. The average Aussie still really respects Jesus. I simply describe myself as a follower of Jesus because that was what he has ultimately invited us to do. He simply said to this man, follow me. And he comes up with an excuse, doesn't he? And, and this is one of the really controversial parts of Jesus' ministry. This is stuff that got him in trouble and it got me in trouble at one time too for preaching on this at the wrong time. With Well, in, well I don't know what God's plan was, but I got in trouble one time. He's, he says, the, the man responds, listen, 
listen, I'll be with you in a sec, Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but first, just let me go and bury my father. Now, the scholars tell us this doesn't necessarily mean that his father had dead and he just needed to go to the funeral. This is probably, culturally speaking, just a way of saying, I need, I've got an elderly father and I need to take care of my family responsibilities until he dies. So we, this, wasn't a, this may not have been just, I'm heading off to the funeral this afternoon. This could have been an extended pause or an extended, yeah, not quite yet, thanks, Jesus. It would have been extremely important to care for one's father in the Jewish tradition, caring for your elders, uh, was a source of great honour and pride, and not do so would have brought great shame. So Jesus' response here is quite, it's quite staggering. Jesus' response here is quite abrasive. His response here is, is one that was really courting trouble. He said to the man, look, let the dead bury their own dead. Ouch. Difficult stuff. Jesus is really saying, listen, you need to go let the dead bury their own dead, but you need to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Regardless of what you've got on, regardless of what other responsibilities you've had, your number one call, your number one commitment will, to be, will be to proclaim the kingdom of God, which was Jesus' own message. He came proclaiming the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So I describe myself as a follower of Jesus in proclaiming God's kingdom. That is his, his rule. God's rule, his will breaking in upon the earth in reconciling this broken world back to God the Father. So that was, a, a prob that was problematic. You can imagine how that would have gone down. It, it even sort of, even with us today, still it's a bit abrasive, it's a bit abrupt. And then in another encounter, still another man, straight away we read, he says to Jesus, um, look, I'll, look, Jesus, I'm going to be with you. Let, I'm, I'm coming. Just hang up for a sec. I'm coming. I, I just need to go and, and say goodbye to my family. And again, Jesus, very abrasive, very almost uncaring, harsh. He says, listen, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back, looks over their shoulder is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So again, pretty rough stuff, but I think this is Jesus' way of saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, you better be all in. You can't afford to be looking back, oh, what am I missing out on over here by following Jesus? Jesus is really throwing down the gauntlet to these men that he has these encounters with today. He's saying, I want to be number one. Everything else must come after your commitment to me. I read a story uh, this week of a, a very strong Christian lady who, who was in the final stages of a, of a terminal disease. She was dying, and she was living apart from, from family, and in, during her illness, she had time to reflect on how she wanted to spend her, her final days. Now, her family, who were solid church-going people, um, wanted her to come back and be cared by them until she died. She reflected upon her family, who loved her very much, and she loved them. But when she thought about it, she knew her family's commitments were, in order, family, so each other, reasonable, the local sporting teams, followed by church. 
And she thought to herself she couldn't go and spend her last days on earth among people for whom God came third. The family were, of course, very hurt and very offended. But this woman had made up her mind that she needed to proclaim the kingdom of God, that the dead needed to bury their own dead, and that she wanted to be amongst her church family in these final days. Difficult stuff. I remember one time uh, in my previous placement, we become friendly with another family, very energetic family, our own sort of kids' age and we spent a lot of time, and number of other members of the church had gathered around, and we invited them in, and we finally got them to church. They came and worshipped on church. Very strong family, strong family commitments, and it just happened to be the day uh, that I was preaching on this passage as well, talking about this stuff. Well, they were mortally offended and never came back. It was a struggle because I felt as though I needed to preach what God had put on my heart that morning, but for them hearing this message of Jesus seemingly downplaying the importance of family was, was too hard for them to take. They couldn't really process it. Surely the church was all about family. And of course we are. Of course we are. If God has blessed you with a family, part of your calling will of course be to love and to care for them. Of course. But Jesus is, is throwing down the gauntlet here and saying, oh, I need to be number one, above everything else in your life. So let me ask you this morning, what is it in your life that's been consuming your thoughts this past week? How did you spend this past week? What did you spend your time pursuing? What did you spend your time chasing after? What did you spend your money on? What did you spend your energy on pursuing this week? This message is one that really sort of is a, causes some, some anxiousness with the fellow Australians. Surely this sort of thing is, runs contradictory to the good Christian family values that we like to talk about in the church. A lot of Aussies will tell you that they're Christians, but Jesus, of course, famously said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and follow me. This was a clear allusion to his own death. Taking up your cross was what convicted criminals did who were on their way to their own death to be crucified. It was symbolic of dying to yourself, not being about your own agendas, laying down your own stuff and being all about following Jesus as your Lord and your saviour. John the Baptist put it this way, and you'll hear me uh, repeat John the Baptist's words. I think I probably did this morning. I do it almost on autopilot these days. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. Uh, Paul went on to say that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I've died to myself in order that I might be a follower of Jesus. In Romans 12, Paul famously says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
Of course, you should be, as soon as you hear this word sacrifice, you should think death, because that was what happened. Right? Back in the day, there'd be a big altar, and the priest would take an animal and cut it open. The animal would give its life as a sacrifice. Paul is saying, yes, well, the, the concept remains, but we are living sacrifices. No need to, for blood to be shed because the blood has been shed once and for all. Amen. No more need for any blood to be shed. But we are nevertheless living sacrifices. We offer our bodies, offer and say, here we are, Lord. I'm keen to follow you regardless, come what may. As I see a brand new fancy four-wheel drive cruise past outside, it seems as though modern Aussies in the 21st century have all that we need, don't we? We have plenty wealthy, we've got everything we need, but if, if those things really bring peace and comfort, why, are, why is the great resignation happening? Have you heard this term, the great resignation? Businesses are struggling to find people to come and work because people have had enough of the Aussie lifestyle, the great sea changes or the, the tree changes. They're giving up and they're checking out. They're saying there's something more to this life than simply earning my money in my job, going to work five days a week so that I can get the next two off, working, working for 40 years of my life so that I can get the remainder of my years to myself. There's something more to this life. Loneliness is rife. I see it every day out here in the mall. It's heartbreaking stuff. Lonely people. Heartbroken people. Broken people. This world is in desperate need of Jesus Christ. They're in desperate need to lay down their life and to say, Jesus, I'm no longer living for myself, but I'm, I'm living for you, Lord, to be a follower of Jesus, to be a follower of this one that had no place to even lay his head. So let me ask you this week, if you're facing any big decisions, what is it that you're confronting? Can I ask you to put it through the filter of, of these little interchanges that Jesus had that we've been looking at this morning? This new job, is it actually going to help me be a follower of Jesus? Or, or will it take me away? This new relationship that seems exciting, is this one that's really going to encourage me in my walk with Christ? Or is it going to lead me further away? You see it all the time, don't you? People entering into relationships with people who don't share their, their faith, and sure enough, they slowly just, just drift away. This new property that I'm about to purchase, this new move that I'm about to make, this new extensions that I'm about to do, or this new European holiday that I'm going on, is this honouring to Christ? These are challenging questions that people don't often ask themselves today. And I'm not going to pretend that I know the answer in your context, in your situation. You have to know the answer. You can work that out for yourself. And I'm not against home renos. I'm not against European holidays. I'm quite pro-European holiday. But let's make sure that the next big investment we make, the next big move we make, whatever it is in our life that we are asking ourselves, does this help me to follow Jesus a little bit more closely? Does this help me to proclaim the kingdom of God in my life? The good news in all of this, of course, is that if we do surrender our life, if we do commit to following Jesus, then we will find life, life in, in all of its abundance, life in all of its fullness. 
It's my favorite Bible verse. I've asked Bethany to put it up on the blackboard up here. John 10.10, write it down, commit it to memory. Jesus said that I might, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full, life in all of its abundance, in this life and the next. I find it's a good Bible verse for today's day and age that demands instant gratification. Oh, look at that. Gee, our tech team are wonderful people. They did, I didn't even know, didn't even tell them I was going to quote that. This is a good Bible verse to quote to people out here and say, listen, I've got one that brings me abundant life in this life and in the life to come. It doesn't make life easy. Jesus warned us. He's got no place to lay his head. They killed him for what he said. We shouldn't be expecting any sort of special deals either as his followers. Can I invite you to choose life? Decide today to follow Jesus. We're going to close our time together by singing that I have decided to follow Jesus. But in the meantime, I want to share with you a very inspiring uh, little passage. Uh, John, can I get you to hand these out for me? This is uh, my little gift to you today. This is something called the Fellowship of the, uh, of the Unashamed. This is one of my favourite... Can I get you to hand those around, guys, for me? This is the Fellowship of the Unashamed. This is a little inspiring declaration of faith, I suppose you would call it. I'm going to give you a hard copy today to take home. Maybe put it on your fridge or keep it. Well, I hope this is an ins- inspiring passage for you as it has been for me since I discovered it a few years ago. The history of it is a little bit unclear. The story goes as best as we can understand. It was penned by a a Zimbabwean martyr, a a, a Zimbabwean man who was martyred for his faith around about 100 years ago, as a matter of fact. You'll find a few different versions of it online. Um, But this man was was martyred for his faith. Before he died, he penned this letter, but later became known as the Fellowship of the Unashamed. So I invite you to to cast your eyes to it and just think about each of these little clauses. I find these tremendously encouraging, tremendously inspiring, tremendously challenging. Let's, Let's have a look at this. Does this describe you? I hope it does. I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down or be still My past is redeemed. My present makes sense and my future is secure. Isn't this good news? I'm finished. Listen to this. I'm finished and done with low living, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tamed vision, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, or first, or recognized, or praised, or regarded, or rewarded. 
I now live by faith. Lean on his presence. Walk with patience. I now live by faith. I am am uplifted by prayer and labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. And my road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I love this. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lewd away, divided or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up and paid up for the cause of Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach all I know, and work till he stops me. And when he returns for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may our banner be clear. May we be known as yours, Father. Father, we commit ourselves to serving you, to following Jesus in all that we do this week. Help us to not be delayed or detoured. Help us to set our gates, to set our vision clearly upon your kingdom. Father, here in this place, in this moment, we declare afresh that we are yours, that we decide to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still will I follow through whatever life throws at me this week. In Jesus' name. The people said...